It's Trump versus the Mod Squad. Did his tweet go too far? Can he walk it back? And who is the face of the Democratic Party anyway? We talk the politics of race and more. The Fury Theory starts right now. The Fury Theory Podcast, brought to you by EFB Advocacy. I'm joined by my colleague, Adam Belmar. John Easton is on assignments. And you know, guys, I like to call it the Mod Squad because I think they're modern. I think they're hip. I think, But we had quite a fascinating fight here between the president and these, the gang of four, the squad, led by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ilya Omar and other two others. Presley and what's the other one? Tell him. Tell him. And um, this is just as Nancy Pelosi was getting in her own fight with the Gang of Four. Uh, and there's a lot of questions as to whether Donald Trump did this tweet, which was pretty offensive, to be honest with you, uh, if he did it on purpose or if he was just spouting off. What's your theory on that? I kind of think he did it on purpose because he wants the Democratic Party to be led by these four as opposed by Nancy Pelosi. My basic feeling about this is that uh, the president's intentional uh, when he did this. He's intentional about most things he tweets, and he's got a uh, a lot of calculus in that uh, big head of his, thinking about how things play. He is a masterful politician when it comes to campaigning for president. He is writing the book and pushing things to the very edge. He knew what he was doing when he did this. Now, keep in mind that Nancy Pelosi has her own problems with this gang of four. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's chief of staff attacked Sharice David, who is a uh, member of Congress who represents Kansas, who voted for, and a person of color also, by the way, and she voted for the spending bill that was increased funding for um more border protection and to help with the crisis on the border. She was attacked from the left because they say that she was doing something that the establishment wanted and that she was giving Donald Trump a huge victory. Uh, These are the types of things that drive Nancy Pelosi crazy because she's actually trying to protect the 40 or 50 members of Congress who make her majority who are more moderate. Um, Adam Belmar do you think that Donald Trump should have got himself involved in this internal Democratic battle? I, I feel like I want to put up a sign that says, cynical political analysis ahead. Uh, yes, I think the president was wise to engage on a vector like this uh, as the Speaker of the House was engaging the squad. Uh, they have an intramural fight going on and this is very broad folks and i think we've been talking about this there's so many elements we're going to get to today but at a very thirty thousand foot level you've got 22 24 people running for the democratic nomination for president and they're not really getting a lot of media attention and suddenly this flared up and it was the face of the democratic party to answer your question people right now Love and social media adores the squad with AOC as their leader. And so the president said, hey, I think I can shine this, the light back on the Dems in Washington. He was ostensibly defending the speaker early in this skirmish, saying you shouldn't be disrespecting her. And then he went 
to the brinksmanship of the go back where you came from stuff. He overplayed, he miscalculated, but I believe his intention was to raise this up and show a big, bright, stark difference between Republicans and Democrats, point the finger at Omar in particular, and to capitalize on what he saw as an unforced error on the Democrats' part. I agree with that analysis. Um, I think the president, you know, you, you can say, go back to where you, wherever you want to come, go back. I don't think that's necessarily racist. Uh, it's not great. I don't, I don't really love that imagery uh, because so many people of color have heard that. So many people. Well, it's have, because there's context. People have used the, this people before. People have used this before, and they've used it outrageously. Yes. And, and then you have, uh, you can go back if you want, and then at the Trump rally, it was sender back, which is a completely different thing, much more um, uh, chilling, because if you send her back, that's the government actually taking someone and sending them out of the country, especially an elected official. And I also think the thing I'm most worried about there's so many threats on members of Congress. Anyway, just typically, to talk about these four in those type of terms, Adam Belmar, I think is dangerous. There's absolutely no doubt. I mean, all of us need to remember our longer-term history, but certainly our most recent history of violence when we get into this fiery rhetoric. It was just more than, what, a year and a half ago that Steve Scalise was nearly killed along with others who came under fire at a practice for a congressional baseball game. We have a Democratic representative from Arizona who was nearly G murdered. G Gabby Giffords. Gabby Giffords. Um, and I think the, the point you're making is, is most important, and I know that you're thinking of it from your perspective as having worked in the leadership uh, in the House of Representatives for a long where violence was visited multiple times. It's a yeah, reality. It's a reality. I, I, when I, I worked for Tom DeLay when a crazed gunman came in that office and shot it up, killed two really special people, uh, Jacob Chestnut and John Gibson. Uh, J John Gibson saved my life by getting in that gun battle. Um, so this is not trivial stuff this is real stuff there are a lot of crazy people out there and they get the if they get whipped up too much i think that the president needs to understand that his rhetoric it is really actually important to have disagreements on the policy issues but when you demonize the opposition as both sides are doing um i think people need to kind of take a look step back and say listen we can disagree without being disagreeable. Yeah, the President of the United States has been playing with fire this week politically, and he got singed. And I think that one of the things that's fundamentally different, that maybe he just wasn't thinking of, uh, and I'm not trying to excuse it all, but I do believe the President has a good heart. And even though he's made some bad behaviors and bad judgments over the years, uh, he is not interested in, in sowing the seeds of real violence and strife, but rather just sort of fanning the flames a bit. And I think that uh, he recognizes today that he is the President of the United States. He's not just running for the office. He has to remind himself of that a bit because the lock her up chant that we saw for Hillary Clinton in the last campaign straight through uh, the inauguration, he enjoyed that. Oh yeah. But this sender back is a tone and quality that he started. It's different. He's already quickly acknowledged he didn't like it. He's trying to distance it. And I think, frankly, John, he realizes that it was incumbent upon him to shut it down. He didn't. Yeah, and I think he needs to. I mean, I, if I were him, I would 
invite the, the squad to come meet with him, maybe have a beer, a beer summit, uh, although Trump doesn't drink beer and neither does Omar. We could debate that another time. I'm uh, not sure I want to do that. Yeah, but I, you know, I do think that they, they, they need to be able to show that they can disagree without being disagreeable because yeah. I think it's an important part of leadership. And, and, you know, looking at all this, Adam, talking about the president's tweet, initial tweet, yeah. it was immediately branded as a racist tweet. Um, is, is the media responsible when it does that? I understand that a very serious conversation has been going on in the fourth estate this week. I am not altogether supportive of where they've netted out, but I will say, as a former journalist and somebody who cares very deeply about what it is to be a practicing journalist, not just the story that you're covering, that these debates are important. And so what it came down to, John, was can we objectively just say that this is a racist tweet? And NPR, National Public Radio, probably went farther in a public way having this debate. Others have written, like uh, this morning in the uh, Wall Street Journal, uh, Peggy Newton. Um, I believe that we can report what people say and let everybody get the right context from opinion writers, editorial writers. We should not be labeling things as racist at all because then you beg the question of, well, what about every other tweet that went uncharacterized or other ways to characterize? That's not what journalism is. There's a space for it. It's right here. It's in your homes. It's with your family and your friends and your colleagues. But to just do that, I think, is a step too far. I, I agree with that. And I also think that you devalue the term racist. I think we've already seen that already. Um, you know, if you immediately brand everything the president does as racist, then what you have a racist president. You know, and then you also have this idea that if you support President Trump, which is the new meme on, on the Twitters, you're immediately a, a racist. And I don't know if that actually, I don't think that helps the Democrats. That's the, that, well, I was about to say, note again, cynical political uh, analysis here. I think that it definitely does not help the Democrats, and I think that is part of the calculus that's going through the president's mind. They have a problem, and every time he goads them into it, they make it worse. They are making it worse, and the, the mainstream media is helping them make it worse. Um, Nancy Pelosi has stood strong and tall this week, handling all of this, and while she did it, John, she rejected a vote to begin impeachment proceedings or to allow that to happen. She knows what's on the other end of that bridge, and she's not going to cross it right now. She's working on the big prize, not the tomorrow prize. I, I you know, Nancy Pelosi had a very interesting week. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that she did um, was get, she used the word racist, describing the president on the House floor, which is against parliamentary rules on the House floor, she had her words taken down, which is a parliamentary procedure that basically says, if you use these words or allow these words to be used, the debate on the House floor will devolve into what it was in, during the Civil War when people were caning each other. Um, but she got her words taken down. D Doug Collins, a member of Congress, said, you are unfairly impugning the motives behind a president's, president's action, which is unparliamentary. You have to strike your words or or rephrase your phrase and she didn't either there was a vote on the house floor that affirmed that she could call the president a racist 
Uh, Adam Belmar, as someone, I wrote an, a pamphlet in the early 90s about the words taken down procedure and the history of all of this uh, for Bob Michael, the House Minority Leader. The purpose of those rules are to allow for um, adequate discussion without impugning the motives of, of each other. If you impugn the motives of, of a, a colleague, like for example, if you uh, say on the House floor, you are passing this legislation because you are greedy and uh, you are doing it for your own um, your own profit. That's not that's unparliamentary. Um, and if you call the president a racist, that is also unparliamentary. I think the speaker, by saying, um, "I'm going to get my words taken down, and I'm going to require all my colleagues to vote to." Up, uphold those uh, those words that sends a pr precedent that i'm not sure if the speaker necessarily wanted to set well let me ask you a question do you believe then that she was an intentional knowing that she was in violation of parliamentary procedure and in or parliamentary sort of style rules but was she doing this just so that she could create it and then have it taken down to raise the issue further still and you know that's a really good question she had said uh that she had cleared those words with the parliamentarian, parliamentarian. Uh, and the parliamentarian changed his mind and allowed uh, said the words were not under uh, were not allowed under the house rules I don't know if she did that on purpose or not I think that for her though the problem that she has is now there's this precedent that says I can call the president racist but what what's to say that Ileana Omar can't call Nancy Pelosi racist and you know, get get her words taken down. This is the problem: is you set precedent, and and, and it will have uh, what goes around comes around in politics. So I think it. I think she was doing it to create the maximum amount of press for her resolution. Um, but I th I'm worried that she set a precedent that was not good for her. So what's going on is we have a very dangerous game that's being played uh, by a lot of people concurrently. And uh, these things will lead to flare-ups. Uh, the, the, it was before this that the speaker was out there using her, uh, you know, variation on MAGA, make America white again, as an attack. Uh, when we bring race and incendiary uh, rhetoric uh, and things that lead towards violence to the fore in our politics this early or any time in a campaign, we are going to reap what we sow. Well, that being said, I mean, this is not... An unusual path for America. You no, know, I mean it's not. It's, un, it's not unnormal for this kind of stuff to happen. I mean, the, yeah, I remember when the the Democrats accused George H. Uh, w. Bush and George Bush for uh, setting fires to black churches. Uh, I remember when um, you know George Bush uh, his campaign had flyers saying that John McCain had a black baby. Uh, I remember when George Bush, George H. W. Bush, did a Willie Horton ad. You know, this is not this is a well-worn path, and so the the problem here is that everyone gets on their high horse and thinks that this is the way to go. the The American people are smarter than all this. I completely they, agree. They are smarter than all this. They know the game that politicians play, and they're sick of it. The the the, the you are correct a hundred percent on all of that. The only distinction that I would make, and that I continue to make for myself, is that. We are in an era now where people are much closer to the action insofar as technology brings it quicker and, and it makes it more constant. And the kind of behavior and the tactics that you're talking about 
were at least arm's length from the president, and now today the principal is fully engaged in these attacks. He is the I, I guy think, out there on everything. Yeah, listen, I, I think this. Um, I think the American people are smart in this. I was I was uh, in a cab this this earlier this week, and there was an African American cab driver, and he loved Trump, and he talked about all this stuff as it's all nonsense. You know, it's all these politicians trying to get advantage. If the if the politicians would do a better job of doing their job, and did less spend less time castigating the aspersions of, of the people that they're, that they're trying to get gain political advantage over, I think the country would be much better off. And that's on both sides. I think the I think the president is stoking up stuff intentionally, and I think that's a mistake. I, I think he's running for your reelection. He's going to do well if the economy goes well. And he doesn't need to do this. He doesn't need to do this. And on the Democratic side, I think it's a di- di- disaster for the Democrats. I mean, if they want to play the race war, uh, if politically, that's bad politics for them. And it has been bad politics. But I think they think they, they're going to get this big coalition together. That's not going to work for them. Both sides need to calm it down if you, in the political class, and they need to get to the work of the American people. And that's kind of my biggest theory of, of the week. Uh, Adam Belmar, uh, what are you buying or selling today? I am particularly interested at the moment in new technologies. Um, The kinds of things that aren't right on the cusp of the marketplace, but things that are fundamentally changing uh, technologies that we use every day, and they're coming real soon. Uh, I do a separate podcast for one of our clients. I've done podcasts on scientific matters for almost a decade now. And I am buying once again, and recommending that you all get behind this too, if you would please, the federal investment in basic scientific research. You know, when we fund our universities and we give people a future in STEM education to continue to discover things that at their beginning didn't have a practical purpose but turned into applied science that changed the world, that's how America leads. That's how economies grow. That's how people are ultimately cured of disease. It's high-minded. It's a bit ephemeral. It's all of these things. But even in the heart of Washington, when it's 110 degrees with the heat factor and members of Congress are sniping at one another, there are many members of Congress, Democrats and Republicans alike, who are focused on the federal investment in basic scientific research, in biomedical research, This is what taxpayers are working towards when we see in America being great or great again. Get behind the substance, people. Please help me help others. Bye, bye, bye when it comes to investing in science. Good one. I like that, Adam. I am buying the British Open at Royal Port Rush. Uh, I just got recently appointed uh, to be the alternate observer to the International Fund for Ireland. I was traveled to Ireland a couple of weeks ago. Peace in Northern Ireland is a work in progress. There's no border between the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, but there are plenty of peace walls in Belfast and, and Derry and other places, uh, cities in Northern Ireland to keep the Catholics and Protestants apart so they don't kill each other. We need uh, to continue to engage in Northern Ireland. What we don't want to have is a... Uh, Resurrection of a violent past. Uh, you know, the problem with America right now is we are reading the wrong things from our history and not reading the right things. We, what we need to do is have a proper appreciation for the future 
and move forward. And with the uh, British Open at Royal Port Rush, Roy McIlroy is playing, Shane Lowry, other great Irishmen, uh, they need to take this as a moment to move forward and get uh, more momentum for peace in Northern Ireland and in all, all the Republic of Ireland. That is a thing that I could buy. And with that, I want to thank Adam Belmar for a great podcast. Welcome to the Fear Theory Podcast, brought to you by EFB Advocacy. EFB means... Excellent for business. Yeah, baby.